Good morning, everybody. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day where we can come together with people who love you and just get excited about the same thing, about worshiping you, about learning more about you, about, Lord, just dumping our pain, our sorrow, and even the stuff that we dig up in ourselves, Father, that we can just give that to you and that you will make us clean, that you will break the chains of sin in our lives. So, Lord, I pray that this day is about you getting the glory for what you have done and are doing and are going to do in our lives. And that, Lord, you would make us who you want us to be. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We are just so thankful to to be together, to have an opportunity to worship. I want to I want to just put in your minds in a slightly different way the announcements and the one in particular the Operation Christmas Child it's coming who can tell me the date on which the boxes are due before Christmas before Thanksgiving it's on that poster there you go. So, because we're so great at remembering, I want to put it in your face one more time. So I want the sound guys to cue this video, and I want you to see it. We good? At the count of three, when children open the shoe boxes, they're so excited. Those faces just transform. Yeah, these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes. The mouth is wide open, the voice is raised, the smiles are all over. That box brings joy. We're right now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited. Giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name. And that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders and knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. We couldn't do it without them. With this box, they do get the gospel story. They do hear about Jesus. It has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in fill shoe boxes? Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. After receiving the shoe boxes, the children will be invited to go to the greatest journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After 
other child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, that changes everything. Churches are being planted, lives are being changed, communities are being transformed. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children. It is impacting families. It is impacting the world greatly. Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. I would like to ask you to consider packing shoeboxes year-round. God will bless, and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one of you. So November 15th, it's amazing what a shoebox full of goodies can do for the kingdom. As I was watching that, and near the beginning they were showing this place in uh, Phnom Penh, Vietnam, or uh, Cambodia, and I think, wait a second, I've been there. I saw that place when I was there, and I thought, wait a second. I want to go back and look and see if there's any people in it I recognize. It was pretty cool. But anyway, keep that in your mind. And this is the one time where I believe that it's just fine to think about Christmas shopping before uh, October's over. So make your plans, get them in, and it will be an investment in the kingdom. And one other thing, the annual business meeting is November the 8th, and so that's coming up in a few weeks. And so just put that date on your calendar and be here, and we will, uh, we will have a tremendous time together. So thank you, sir. Yes, Keith, speak to us, O oh wise one. This is dangerous to give me a mic. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really glad to be back uh, here with my church family. I've been, I moved up to Maryland uh, about a month ago, and it's been pretty busy. Uh, but thankfully, the circumstances have allowed me to, to come back, and hopefully more regularly. But the reason I'm up here is uh, this is Pastoral Appreciation Month, and I wanted to take an opportunity to uh, you know recognize our, our pastor. So and pastor so if John and Carol and Joyce could also step up here that would be uh, greatly appreciated you are sneaky oh my <laughs> <laughs> note to self don't allow this again <laughs> so this you know this month obviously it only comes around once a year and here we are uh, <laughs> But it's an opportunity as a, as a church family 
to just show a little little bit of recognition. Not that they asked for it. They're, they're, these these are uh, very humble couples, uh, and we appreciate you very much uh, for what you do for our family, for the time that you spend. Uh, if you you guys can go ahead and, and hand it. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll give it to the ladies. You know <laughs> and uh, we have a <laughs> we have a small small uh, token of appreciation for your families, uh, and we, we we truly are just grateful. Uh, I could go on and on about everything that they do. Uh, I know myself. I call Walter quite regularly, and he spends a lot of time with me on the phone. I'm pretty sure I could probably poll the, the audience and, and, and know a few other people that, that spend regular time in conversation with him uh, just to help us through uh, our, our, our walk, especially when we're facing spiritual problems. And, uh, and as, as our spiritual leaders for the youth and for our church, uh, we, we need that. We need that, that leadership and guidance, and you provide it. So thank you very much. If everyone give a round of applause, please. Thank you, guys. I know the Whartons are the, the same as us in this, and we have just incredible gratitude just to be a part of a sweet family like this. And so with that in mind, I want to transition as smoothly as I can. So can we have some guys to help us take an offering? we want to pray for the offering as we get ready for the budget we just consistently and continually praise God for what he's done for how he's blessing and leading us to give and allowing us to invest in his kingdom so let's pray together father we praise you for the privilege that we have to to have anything to do with you at all and Lord you take give and you you send it to the nations. You bless us. And God, you allow us to see you do the work. And so, Lord, that's what we're praying for right now, that you would have your way in our lives. Grow us as givers. Make us wise investors in your kingdom. And Lord, give us the privilege of praising you for when you bring the increase in the glory that you gain from what you do in us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, guys. This song is called Rooftops, or From the Rooftops, as some of our music says here. And and what it what it means is we're gonna we're gonna stand up as Christians this morning, as followers of Christ, and and proclaim that from the rooftops. And and it and the proclamation is that we are his. And that all we are, we place into his loving hands. We are his. So guys, that's, uh, I think that's worth standing up and shouting from the rooftops. So if you guys want to stand up and, uh, and let's, let's do that this morning and continue on worship song. So I have a question. How many of you, growing up, you 
knew the gospel like you had heard it Bible school church on the street whatever how many of you have had heard the gospel growing up raise your hand a lot of you a lot of you a lot of you most of you I grew up much like many of you I grew up in church and my dad saw to it that we went to church like it or not and I think I did the same with my children and I think they liked it but I knew what the gospel was I heard it I heard that we are sinful that Jesus loves us so much that he came to earth died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sin and that if we trust him that you know his blood covers a sin I heard that and and I knew that people some people believed it some people didn't some people accepted it some people didn't but I didn't know anybody that didn't at least hadn't at least heard about Jesus and but my worldview got rocked when I went on a mission trip to to East Asia and we were we were in China and we were speaking to just having casual conversation with about 30 or so master's degree level engineering students and we had something they wanted and that was English they wanted to practice spar with us so to speak practicing speaking English smart people and so it was around Thanksgiving time when we were there and we intentionally had conversations about Thanksgiving and transitioned very quickly to the gospel and I was speaking and just shared the gospel and I asked kind of at the end does this make sense to you and I asked is this new to you have you ever heard this before and nobody ever heard of Jesus before I couldn't believe it. I was thinking, like, we have internet. You're engineering students. You're smart kids. You know, you're smart young adults, master's degree level studies. And they didn't know the gospel. And yet, we live in a culture at a time where right now at least it's super saturated you can we have access to the gospel anyone who wants to read the word can read the word anyone who wants to see it online or hear it online can do so but I do believe 
that perhaps it may have already peaked and there it is on decline. And I believe that perhaps in our future, maybe our near future, there will be times where we will share the gospel with someone in our own country, in our own context that hasn't heard it. And the reason I, I start with that is we're going to look in, in Luke and Acts and, and we're looking at the gospel. We're looking at Jesus, the fact that he was crucified, he was raised from the dead, he ascended, and the disciples going to the nations. And so that is, that is where we are in the text he uses this word redeemed and we're going to read in Luke chapter 24 and as we read this I just want you to to ponder this question what does it mean to be redeemed and so as I read keep that thought flowing in your mind what does it mean to be redeemed and why have we been redeemed this is the word that's going to come up and so I will start reading Luke 24 verse 13 and I will read to verse 49 now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus and it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Let's pause for a second. I want to set the context. Jesus has been sold out by Judas. He's had a, a funky kind of like a trial with chumped up charges, which really were no charges. But the people were just screaming for his death. Pilate said, look guys, there's nothing... He's done nothing worthy of death and crucify him, crucify him. So handed him over to be killed and hanging on the cross the, between two thieves. One cursed him and said, look, save us all. The other one said, shut up, you idiot. We did something wrong. We deserve this, but he didn't. And so dead, buried three days raised from the dead and and now here we are two of them walking on this road seven miles that's not seven minutes for us driving you know today seven miles might take a while so in verse 14 they were talking with each other about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. 
but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. and He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, again, seven miles. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Let's pray together. Lord, this text is so familiar to us. And at times, if we're not careful, it's, it's boring and second nature to just gloss over it because we've heard it so many times. But Father, I pray that you would catch us where we are and give this to us 
new and refresh our minds and our spirits with this word that it would never bore us that the creator of the universe died on a cross in place of us so that we could spend eternity with the creator of the universe. So Lord, awaken us today to your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So redeemed for a reason in this text. You know, I ask you, what does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to be redeemed? Anybody? Anybody want to give an answer? What does it mean to be redeemed? And even perhaps, why have we been redeemed? Anybody want to speak up to answer those questions? What does it mean to be redeemed? And you're thinking right now, why does the pastor actually want me to say something? Yeah, yeah, well said. When you can't pay your debt and someone else pays it for you. Yes. I think for me, I'm talking about what Brian just said, that I can't speak for everyone, but I can certainly speak for me. There's times when I have to remind myself that I was in debt, you know, that that I owe this debt that I could never pay. And I begin to think that that I am not in debt. And I have to catch myself and say, man, you are you are as sinful as anybody and you can't pay your debt at all. And so as the church generally, you know, we have been we have been freed from a debt that we have owed by God sending Jesus who owed no debt at all, right? He paid a debt he didn't owe and he paid it on our behalf. So as, in general, as the big C church, as the universal church, as all Christians... We are redeemed. That debt has been paid for a reason. And Jesus, speaking with the disciples, he gives them, he basically wakes them up to, basically he's told them from the Old Testament to the time he spent with them, Old Testament, these things are coming. Jesus is with them. He says, I am here, and this is what's going to happen. I'm going to be dead. I'm going to rise again on the third day. And, and then he's dead, rises again on the third day. And they, what happened? We thought he was going to be the one. And so he comes back to them and tells them, Look, guys, I told you all of this stuff was going to happen. And it happened. And here I am. And now you are witnesses. 
you have seen with your eyes what I've told you was coming, and so you have been redeemed for a reason. And then he speaks to them about the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And then, of course, the first two chapters of Acts, Acts 1-8, you will be my witnesses. And this is, this is Luke. This is Luke 1. Acts is Luke 2, right? It is same guy, two different letters. And so, in Acts, you see the early church. And so, let's go, let's take it down from Big C, the universal church, to this body of believers at Abundant Hope Baptist Church, redeemed for a reason. And I want us to think through this. Why are we saved? Why did he pay our debt? And what happens now? And, and let's look at this. What does it mean as the, the church around the world? First, it means we receive the grace of Christ. We receive the grace of Christ. What Brian said, we have a debt. He paid our debt. Why did he do it? It wasn't because he looked at us and thought, oh, they're so cute. There was nothing redeemable. And, oh, man, if I pay for their sin, then I get their coolness in return. Or I get all of their money in return. Or maybe they will cook things for me and lay it at my feet. You know, going overseas... And seeing physical idols that people have made, like we were talking about in Sunday school this morning, things actually fashioned. And there's a place in the homes that's kind of like a cutout where in America you might see grandma's apple pie or you might see a, a specific dish of some kind. There, there's this cutout and this thing, weird looking to me, very poor quality idol and it's sitting there and there's a light on it or a candle or whatever depending on where you are and there's like fruit and there's food around this idol and and it was sad to see it was sad to see that these people they're serious they're serious they are seriously sacrificing some of their food to this thing and and so i go into their homes and i see this and my sarcastic nature is coming out and i just wanted to go and push it over but as you get close to them it's not even good quality the craftsmanship is terrible like this is this is like dollar store it's terrible but the pineapple looks really good <laughs> laying it there and i'm thinking so are we gonna come back are you expecting it to be gone <laughs> but they believe that 
they're paying this little g God for good things. Like if I give them, if I sacrifice to this idol something, then the God or the gods is going to shine good things on me. And so there's, there's payment for a return. What we receive from God is we receive grace of Christ. It's grace, not because we're cute, not because we're rich, not because of something that we could give to God, but grace. And this is something that is at the base of our theology, the base of who we are as a church. Grace. The moment we think that we add anything to the deal, we're stepping on very dangerous ground. And so this grace of Christ comes with some theological words. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. He has died our death. We deserve to die. And and I know I say this all the time because it's all through Scripture, and perhaps that we, we are super saturated with this, but I hope that we never... Forget this, that this never becomes mundane to us, that we deserve death. Each one of us deserve to be killed because of our sin. Because the sin that's in our DNA, but also the sin that comes out of our mouth and our feet and our hands. He died our death. And there was no sin in him. And then, for no extra charge, the next word is propitiation. Propitiation is really, he endured our condemnation. He endured our condemnation. So, because of our sin, all of the condemnation that we deserve, we deserve to be condemned. We don't measure up to God's perfect standard. All of that went on to Christ. Everything that we deserve to get from God the Father in condemnation because of our sin went to Jesus. And he took it on the cross. And then reconciliation. He suffered our separation. And so... God, holy, up here. Me, sinful, down here. So here's God, here's man. And there's this sin that's come between us, right? This is the illustration that we learned a hundred years ago in, in a class to teach the gospel. And because of my sin, I can't go to God because He's holy. And so, God came down to me. I could not go to him, so he came to me. If he didn't come down, we are not going up. And so, there's this great separation, and Christ on the cross, he was separated from his Father. Remember on the cross? Darkness. 
God the Father turned his back on his own son. But think about this. He turned his back on his son, but I and the Father are one. The Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So they were pretty tight, right? And so God the Father turns his back on the Son because of the sin that was on Christ's back that he took from me. And so he suffered our separation so that we could be reconciled with the Father. And then the, the last $4 word, redemption. Here it is. He paid our debt. He's paid our debt. Has anyone ever had a debt that somebody paid unexpectedly? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. No way you could ever pay it off. We could never pay off our sin debt. And he paid it. And so we receive the grace of Christ. All of this grace. But then secondly, we behold the glory of Christ. We behold the glory of Christ. And, and here, we get to see the good news, right? He's the risen Savior. He was dead. And then he's not dead. And we see through the Gospels the power of God raised him from the dead. And if you've, as you've read through or are reading through the Gospels, read specifically and pay specific attention to the things that happen when Jesus dies on the cross. There's some pretty creepy things going on. Like earthquake and... Graves coming open and people that were in the graves are now walking around. and That would probably make the news. I mean, we have shows about it. They didn't have shows about it, but then it like happens. Like people that were dead are now not dead. And, and Jesus is about to be one of them in three days, but... This is good news, a risen Savior. And He is the exalted Lord. He is exalted. He is exalted by His Father. And you and I as well. As we worship this morning, we lift Him up. We don't sing because we just love the sound of each other's voices necessarily but because he is worth exalting. We want to lift him up. And so we behold the glory of Christ. And so then, he is the exalted Lord, and he is the coming King. So he goes from from a scoundrel that the people that the population looked up to 
the teachers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they look on Jesus as a ruffian, as a as one of ill repute, one that is wrecking the church, one that we just need to get rid of. The dead, raised from the dead, exalted, and then the king. He is the coming king. And so these things lead to a passion for the kingdom. And this, a passion for the kingdom comes from and is fueled by a passion for the king. And this is so seriously important for American Christians and I believe for for this church as well. I wrestle with this as a pastor because I think about we read in scripture miracles, great things on the mission field in other countries pretty awesome things in America it's like hmm there's a whole lot of people going to church but Billy Graham has been quoted many times as saying he believes that 85% of the people that sitting in the church pews are lost and but this is it <clears throat> The passion for the kingdom is fueled by passion for the king. So, in other words, if you aren't passionate about Christ, why would you be passionate about the things of Christ? Why would you be excited about missions? Why would you be excited about sharing the gospel if you're not excited about Christ? And so this is my constant prayer for the church and for America, that God would show himself in such a way in Christ, in this culture, in this country, in this world at this time, that we would be impassioned for the King. That we would be so blown away by Christ that we would be in line to shout His name from the rooftops and that we would not worry about any of the other stuff that clouds our day, but we are ready to tell our neighbor or a person that doesn't vote like we do, that we're ready to tell them about this Christ. That we're passionate. And I feel this guilt in myself about things that I have a passion for. Like, am I as apt to tell the person behind me in Walmart about Jesus... Or about deer hunting? And it hits me. And I have to be careful. Because I'm a shy guy naturally. And I don't want to talk to the dude behind me about anything. But Christ in me forces a conversation to get started. 
And do I have the spiritual guts to turn a conversation to the cross? Will I do it? Because in Walmart, you got plenty of time, right? A passion for the kingdom is fueled by passion for the king. So we receive the grace of Christ. We behold the glory of Christ. And finally, we proclaim the gospel of Christ. And that is where Jesus was going with this. You know, we proclaim the gospel of Christ, but we do so in the power of Jesus' presence. He told them, wait, wait in Jerusalem because we have something for you. It's like Jesus knew, of course he knew, what the disciples were capable of. He just saw them all run away like three days ago when someone wanted to accuse them of being with him. And so he wants them to be his witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost, right? They can't even agree that he exists to people. And he knows us. He knows that we need his presence. And so we proclaim the gospel of Christ in the power of Jesus' presence. In the last part that we read, he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And so he is with us. He is with us. Us. Now, he was with the two on the road, but he is with us now. And even when he peaced out with them and then came back and then all of a sudden appeared, he never leaves us. He is with us. He dwells in us. And so... We proclaim the gospel of Christ in the power of his presence, and he enables our obedience. He enables us to do what he's created us to do. And I think about this goodness. He is so good because he made us, and he made us for a reason, but then we hosed it up. So he came and fixed it. And then he stays with us. He lives with us and enables us to do that which he created us to do to start with. And so only God can, can create us for a purpose and give us free will to choose not to do it and then give us the power to do it if we choose to do it which he empowers us to want to choose. So develop that out of pond scum, right? 
and let those cells replicate and create that? Come on. We serve a powerful God. And He allows us to know Him at all. And so He enables our obedience and He empowers our proclamation. And so when the conversation with the person behind you or me at Walmart turns to the gospel and you see things just come out of your mouth and you see tears flow or eyes light up and those kind of things, it's the power of God. It's the power of God enabling or empowering our proclamation. And so... In light of, of Jesus' purpose, we are worshipers. We're worshipers, and we are witnesses. And so this is what we do. This is what we were made for. One of these two, we will do forever. The second, it's a timed thing. We will worship God forever. One way or the other, we are going to worship Him forever. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We are worshipers at one time or another, forever. But we are witnesses now. We are witnesses for a time. We are witnesses until it's too late. Because we've seen something. We've experienced something. We've met someone that is worth sharing. And something changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the prophets the few prophets, they were the ones that would proclaim. They were the ones that would, would tell of the things of God. But now, we all share, not just a few. And that is because His power, His glory is made known even in our weakness. And so this, as we close, in obedience to Jesus' plan, you know, we, we proclaim the gospel of Christ in light of His purpose and in obedience to Jesus' plan. And, and that plan, as we've covered this year, the Old Testament, God's blessing was promised for all nations. Remember Genesis 11? When he was speaking to Abraham, I will raise you up, and through you I will make countless, and always for the purpose of bringing glory to God the Father. And so, it's his plan. It was rigged from the beginning because God is in control. So the Old Testament, God's blessing promised for all nations, and then the New Testament, God's gospel preached to all nations. And so he made this promise for all nations. And this, this promise was delivered when Jesus came to the cross. But now Jesus came to the cross. He died for the sin of, of all the nations 
but who's going to tell them that? Who's going to tell them that there has been a sacrifice made for your sin? Will you trust them? And the gospel is good. You know, I think that one of the things that blow me away is we're in a generation where I don't know how there could be one person living on this whole planet that doesn't know about the coronavirus. It has swept through the world. It's impacted humanity in a way like few other things. Who doesn't know? But then how can it be in this same country or in this same world at this same time with the same technological advances that there's people on this planet that don't know that there's a Savior who came and died for their sin. I don't get it. How can it be? How can it be? And so for you and me, here we are at the part of the, the Bible where we we see the gospel. We see redemption. And don't let us gloss over this. Don't let us just move past this. Two things that are important for us to get from this. Am I redeemed? We know that we have a debt. We know how the debt was paid on the cross for us. But we have to to acknowledge that and we have to trust Christ have we done that number one number two is because of that on the cross we are witnesses to his majesty we are eyewitnesses to his majesty scripture says and so will we be his witnesses we've been called to be to all nations including this one has he redeemed us? Will we fulfill our purpose by being his witness to the nations? That is the word from this text. And I'm praying that his Holy Spirit applies it in us how we need it right now, today. In a minute, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to be standing down here. And me standing down there means nothing unless you want to pray with me. Or I can help you in some other way. But the point is, is this is time that's set aside for us to apply what God is saying to us from what God has already said to us. And so, what is God, through His Holy Spirit, saying to you today? Do you need to act? Do you need to move? Let's pray. Would you stand? God, as we have heard your word most in this room have heard this word countless times. There is no lack of a knowledge of the gospel for most. But God, I pray that you would help this to hit us in a fresh way. Help us to see this. Help us to see that you are an amazing God who did take care of our sin that we would not be 
overconfident in knowing that if it were not for your grace, every one of us would be in line for hell. And so, Lord, encourage us with these things. Give us the assurance. Help us to know that we are yours. And, Lord, if there's any in here that do not trust you, I pray that you would make that obvious. And, Lord, help help every person in this room know what you know about the future of our soul and by your grace give us the moment to do something about it and then Lord once we we know that we know that we know you personally Lord help us to have such a passion about the king that we share your passion about the nations knowing about the king Lord, I believe that Satan Satan trips us up in every way he can. But one of the easiest ways is to just be fine with us knowing that our purpose is to be witnesses to all nations. Just give us so many things in our life that we don't have time to do them. So Lord, help us to prioritize in the same way that you do and help us to know that if our plate is overflowing there's something there that you didn't put there so that we could obey your word and bring you glory so in these moments we pray that your holy spirit would shine brightly we pray this in christ's name amen aren't you grateful that he pursues us when we are running like crazy fools in the opposite direction. And he loves us even when we are so riddled with sin we can't even look at him. God, as we come into your presence, as we get ready to leave and go walk into a world that that perhaps does, does not know you and needs to hear words from a witness, God, I pray that you would remind us of this, that no matter our sin, your, your power is greater. Lord, help Satan not win the fight to make us think that we are not worthy to share a word of truth about a God who's never sinned when our hearts are so full of it. God, help us to see that we're only worthy because you died for our sin. And so as we wrestle with these truths, help the, help the truth be embedded in our hearts and that you would reign in us this week. Lord, give us these opportunities to speak a word of truth, to share the gospel. And then make us so excited for next week that we could come and share of the greatness of God as you've worked through us, even in spite of ourselves. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.